Club Coastal, how you guys doing this morning? Welcome, welcome, welcome. My name's TJ. I'm one of the pastors here, and we're glad that you're with us. And uh, I, I know some of you are like, uh, love sex and rock and roll. That was like 90s R&B. Yes. I mean, how can, you, how can you do stuff on relationships and not have 90s R&B in it? I mean, oh, my life. I mean, like, I, I told Josh we needed, like, that Memphis growl in there, and he's like, no, we don't do that. And so... It's okay, but uh, anyways, we're excited you're here. We're in our second week of this series, Love, Sex, and Rock and Roll, talking about relationships. And here's what I know, is every time we're in one of these relationship series, single people are always like, man, it's a relationship series. This is for married people. Let me just tell you something, single people. You should be taking more notes than married people right now because you can learn some things that you can take and apply to your life right now so that you don't make the mistakes that all these married people are making. Just telling you, like, be a student right now so that when you're in the game, you're like, you're ready to play because you've got it down. You've been practicing, getting it ready to go. And so I'm excited about today. Uh, how many people in here are married? Married people, raise your hands. Raise them up high. Raise them up proud, proud, proud. All right. All right. So I know that this is church, and sometimes church is like the Christian prom. You get dressed up, and I like, you got it all going on, and everything's perfect at home and everything. But all those people that just raise their hand, raise your hands again, married people, married people. Raise them up high. Raise them up high, married people. Don't be ashamed. Single people, look around. That's who you're working with there. That other people that don't look around, those are options, options right now. <laughs> but married people, how many of you, if you're being honest, have had an argument with your spouse in the last 30 days? Raise your hands, raise your hands, my hands up. Last 30, some of y'all are good, apparently, you guys. How about, how about in the last week, raise your hands, raise your hands, honest people, honest people, some honest people in here. Some of the wives are like, yes, the husband is not raising his hand. He's like, I, I did not have an argument. How about, so the, here's the really honest people. On the way to church today, where are you at? Where are you at? <laughs> There's some honest people right there. Thank you. Thank you. You are going to heaven. You are going. Rest of these people, not at all. <laughs> Married people, you'll understand that there's something about your spouse that they can say things that other people would say to you that, like, you would just brush off, would not matter. But when they say it to you, it just ticks you off, doesn't it? Like, why is that? It's like, they, like, like, Melissa could say something to me. Melissa is not my spouse. She's my sister. And she'd be like, that's an ugly outfit today. I'd be like, whatever, Melissa, you don't know anything about style. But if Shayla said that to me, I'd be like, girl, we talk. Like, it'd be like a knockdown drag out. But this is a good looking outfit, isn't it? No, I'm just. <laughs> it's like all of a sudden there is a battle that starts to take place in that moment. And every married person knows that for some reason in marriage, it feels like there's always a battle going on in your marriage. It's one of the reasons why on this graphic, there is the, there's a rock and there's scissors, right? Because there's a battle going on between husbands and wives all the time, playing rock, paper, scissors. Who's going to win in our relationship? Oh. <laughs> Sue, I'm going to talk to you today. <laughs> this message is specifically for you. Uh, listen, there, there's two options when you're battling with your spouse. 
You can fight in your marriage, which apparently is what Sue is doing. <laughs> and when you're fighting in your marriage, all you have to do to fight in your marriage is, is look for faults in your spouse. And let's be honest. When you're married to somebody, you know all the faults, don't you? Like if I was like, hey, everybody, list 10 faults about your spouse, all of you would be like, I, I can give you 20. You know, it's like... <laughs> I don't know that we, we make that funny, but the reality is, is we know all those places. And so if we want to fight in our marriage, all we have to do is start focusing in on their faults. And all of a sudden, we can start battling it out every single time in our marriage. In fact, when you start to do that, Sue, when you win like that, just remember this, you're going to bed with a loser. And you're waking up with one, too. You, Joe, you just be quiet there. <laughs> they're really good friends. I can say that to them. If I don't know you, I wouldn't say that to you. But they're, they're okay with that. Um, and even if they're not, they're just going to take it right now. Uh, but it's true, isn't it? If you win, it means somebody's losing. And the goal of every relationship is not to have a winner and a loser. The goal of a relationship is to be united. In fact, if I, the best marriage counseling advice I could give to people is grow up. Stop trying to win in your relationship. And instead of fighting in your relationship, what you need to do is you need to start fighting for your relationship. See, there's a big difference between fighting in your relationship and fighting for your relationship. See, fighting for your relationship doesn't look at what's wrong with your spouse. You turn it around and go, what's wrong with me that's causing this problem? And I know that's not a popular item to talk about because it's, it's easy to blame somebody else than it is to take responsibility, isn't it? It's always somebody else's fault, but if you want to fight for your marriage, You've got to realize that it's about you taking some responsibility. In fact, if you're taking notes today, I'll, I'll say it like this. Your marriage will go beyond your wildest imagination when you begin to focus on your responsibilities rather than your rights. Listen, your marriage will go way beyond what you ever thought it could be. When you start to focus on your responsibilities rather than your rights. And, and I know, man, I do, I've done so much marriage counseling. I hear people walk in and they go, if my spouse would just change this, then everything would be all right. And in your mind, you think, well, if they would just do that, then everything would be perfect, but that's not how it works. You're wanting them to do something, to fill something inside of your life that they were never designed to fill. And what you think is a right in a relationship isn't really a right. See, Going back to last week, we talked about this, this pyramid here that is the perfect picture of a relationship. It begins with a foundation that's spiritual, that's built on a social interaction. You get interpersonal, get to know somebody. Then you have emotional and physical happiness. And a lot of us, we think that physical happiness and emotional happiness is a right. It's not a right. Those Things that we want are a result of us building a spiritual foundation that all of a sudden creates emotional and physical happiness. 
And some of, some of us are demanding things from somebody else. I have the right to have this when we haven't taken the responsibility to create it. Some of y'all need to hear that again. Some of you are demanding a right of something you haven't taken a responsibility to create. And we've got to build our foundation if we're going to have the things that we're always looking for in our relationships. If we're not going to fight in our marriage, but we're going to fight for our marriage. And in Philippians chapter 2, Paul is going to give us some things to build our relationship on. If you're taking notes today, the first thing is this, is, is we need to learn to walk with Christ. And the reason we need to learn to walk with Christ is because we're going to need some divine intervention in our relationships because we all walk into relationships with this thing called unrealistic expectations. Every single person walks into a marriage with unrealistic expectations. I'll talk to, to single guys and I'll talk to them about purity and they'll be like, Pastor TJ, that's easy for you to talk about because you're married and, and you can have sex whenever you want, how much you want. And I'm always like, guys, that's not how marriage works. Married guys, am I correct on that? And then I'll ask questions like, what, what, what are you looking forward to the most in your marriage? And they'll always be like, the honeymoon. I'll be like, really? Yeah, we're going to have sex. I'll be like, that's awesome. But what are you going to do for the other 23 hours, 59 minutes, and 45 seconds? <laughs> it's PG-13. We told you that on the front end. Why? Because we have unrealistic expectations. Why? Because we're taking our ideas from, from Hollywood and the internet. And so what, what we think is, is we're going to come home from work and our spouse is going to be in the kitchen setting the table. And you're going to walk in and you're going to see her and she's going to see you. And all of a sudden, brown chicken, brown cow. If you don't know what brown chicken, brown cow is, you start speeding it up. Brown chicken, brown wow. You know, it's like... And what's going to happen is you're going to walk in and, you, and as she's setting the table, you're just going to rip everything off the table and make love on that table. It's going to be amazing. I'm just telling you something, guys. Go home. Rip everything off the dining room table and see what your wife says. She's going to be like, have you lost your mind? That was my grandmother's china. You are dead. Sleeping on the couch. Unrealistic expectations. And guys aren't the only ones that walk into marriage with it. Ladies, unrealistic expectations. You think that he is going to be a hopeless romantic for the rest of your life. Think about it. They don't know each other. And they bump into each other in summer. They like each other. She leaves and he is absolutely brokenhearted. And so what does he do? He writes letters. He writes more letters and more letters and more letters. She doesn't get the letters. But he doesn't know where she is. And she's wealthy and he's not. And so he buys a house and he's working on the house. He's working on the house. He's working on the house. He's writing letters. He's writing letters. He's writing letters. She doesn't get the letters. She meets an officer. He's a kind guy. I love you. I love you too. I've got to go back to this city. Should I be worried? No. Liar. 
He's working on the house, working on the house, working on the house. He sees her. She sees him. I love you. I love you. I hate you. I hate you. I love you. I hate you. I love you. It's raining. He runs after her. There's letters. Oh, my gosh, there's letters. I love you. I hate you. Let's get married. Wedded bliss. If you've never seen the notebook, <laughs> save yourself some time. <laughs> ladies, 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 what's his name? What's his name? Noah. Noah. Why can't you fight for me like Noah? Because <laughs> he's not real. It's a movie. And so we roll it and we think that's what life's going to be like. Apostle Paul in Philippians chapter 2, verse 1 says this. He said, man, it's going to be a little bit different. He said, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any fellowship with the Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion... What the Apostle Paul does here is he says, man, you want to walk with Christ? There are going to be some elements that are going to be very, very visible in your life that you're going to be able to recognize that is a byproduct of you walking with Christ. If you're taking notes today, the first one is encouragement. Guys, do you encourage your wives? Let me say it like this. Do you speak well of her when she's around and when she's not? And I hear guys all the time when referring to their wives, they've, they've given, oh, that's my old ball and chain. That's my old lady. Listen, that kind of terminology for your wife does not endear her heart to you. What's even funnier about that is, is that when you're calling her those things, it's really a revelation of who you are because who made her an old hag or an old lady or, or an old ball and chain? You did, and the two became one, so really you're making fun of yourself. Listen, guys, you, you start speaking highly of your wife, other guys are going to be like, man, that's a, that's a good girl right there. That's the kind of relationship I want to have. Ladies, are you a consistent source of encouragement to your husband? Listen, I don't care what anybody else says about me. I care what Shayla says about me. Man, I get dressed in the morning. I'll go to wherever she is in the house, and I'll just go stand there until she'll say, oh, babe, you look good. Like, all right. I'm like, ready to take on the world today. Listen. You show me a man that is consistently encouraged by his wife, and that man can accomplish anything. Do you encourage him, ladies? Well, if he would say something good. Listen, it doesn't take a lot. We're simple. We bring in the groceries and say, oh, man, that's so good. You'll see us curling Ch Campbell's Chunky as we're putting it away. We don't need a lot. We're seriously. Pretty superficial. Encouragement. Next one is, Paul says, is comfort. Guys, when your wife hears you walk in the door, does she feel comfort or conflict? 
comfort or conflict? I don't know, Pastor DJ. Why don't you ask her? Pastor DJ, she's crazy. Well, somebody made her that way. <laughs> Guys, your role as a husband is to be a comfort to your spouse. You're to bring this sense of security and safety in your relationship constantly to your spouse. Ladies, do you bring comfort to the marriage or are you the woman that is constantly crying, throwing things, and manipulating when you don't get your way? The Bible actually talks about you. It says it's better to live in the desert or in the counter, corner of a rooftop than to stick around with you. Don't blame me. It's, I didn't run it. You can talk to Solomon about that. He's smarter than all of us. So, See, but that idea of comfort is a byproduct of who you are. Are you creating chaos everywhere, guys, girls? Or are you creating stability? Fellowship is the next one. Are you finding ways to spend more time with your spouse or less? And, I, and I, I'm just going to go here. Guys, let me talk to the guys real quick. Because guys are the ones that, 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 that violate this one more than, than the ladies do. And I'm going to talk to a particular segment of guys. Listen, if you are a married man and you still play video games, please stop it. TJ, I'm good at them. <laughs> Do they pay you for it? No. You're not that good. But, but TJ, you don't understand. When we were dating, she would come over and sit down, and I'd have my headset on, and I'd be talking to my buddies, and we'd be playing video games. No, no, no. She came over because she wanted to have a conversation with you, and you just ignored her and played with virtual reality rather than the reality of the girl sitting next to you. And you know why she's coming and sitting down next to you now? Because she wants to have a conversation with you. Stop being selfish. See, the Apostle Paul actually talked about it. He said, when I was a child, I spoke like a child, acted like a child, did childish things. But when I grew up and became a man, which is what some of you need to do, I put away childish things. I put away Madden 2019 or whatever other video game you're playing. Grow up. Find a hobby that you both can enjoy. And listen, ladies, you're not off the hook. You're sitting there not telling him you don't like that, shame on you. Tell him, like, hey, let's find something we can both enjoy, and I know he's going to hand you a controller. Just rip that out of the controller. Just like, because <laughs> like, you don't enjoy that, and go, we, I don't enjoy this, and throw it through the TV. It, that'll solve everything. <laughs> I found out years ago that I really enjoy shopping. I did not know that until I tr started going, babe, what are your hobbies? She's like, I like spending your money. I was like, cool, I might as well join in on that, you know, and find us on our date days at Sawgrass Mill, small, trying to afford things that we're never going to be able to afford. It's just fantastic. <laughs> Tenderness 
and compassion. Think about how does Jesus draw us to him? Through tenderness and compassion. How can you have tenderness and compassion in your relationship? You realize that you don't have it all together. Because why, most of the time, are we not tender and compassionate? Because we're focused on their faults. And when we're focusing on their faults, we forget that we have faults. But when we realize that we have faults too, all of a sudden we realize that there's this thing called amazing grace. And when we operate out of a place of grace, there is this tenderness and this compassion that exudes out of our life. And so the Apostle Paul was saying, hey, listen, you want to build a foundation, you got to, number one, walk with Christ. Number two, you got to see like Christ. you got to see like Christ. Listen, if I meet one more couple that comes up to me and says, Pastor TJ, we're getting a divorce because we're different, I'm going to lose my mind. Like, you just figured that out. Men and women are different. Men like to go and hunt and kill things, and women like to take bubble baths. We're different. Like, I've yet to hear of a guy that comes home from a hard day of work and is like, babe, can you get the bubble bath ready? I just need to soak my cares away. And if that's you out there, please do not identify yourself. <laughs> Actually, we probably already know who you are, Joe Bocci. We're different, aren't we? Like, Shayla and I couldn't be more different. She is like a planner. She wants to know exactly what we're doing, where we're doing it, like what restaurant we're going to eat at when we go on vacation. She's like putting up Pinterest boards, planning out every single day, every single coffee shop, place we're going to eat, place we're going to visit. I'm like a just go with the flow kind of guy. Shayla, all she wants to do is have sex. I just want to cuddle and talk about my feelings. I mean, we're so different. Maybe I got that one backwards. I don't know. <laughs> but we're different. In verse 2 here, he says, Then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, and being one in spirit and purpose. Let me just talk to single people here for a second, because single people violate this verse all the time, and most of the time, 90% of the time, it's the single girl. And today I want to challenge you on who you date. Let me just read this again. Then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, and being one in spirit and purpose. You can't say you love Jesus and dating a guy who doesn't love Jesus. You can't have the same spirit and purpose if you love Jesus and he doesn't, it's a foundational issue. And I've heard the excuses. But Pastor TJ, he believes in God. Well, you know what? The demons believe in God too. Is that your standard? Hey, mom, I brought home a demon. <laughs> But Pastor Jenny, you don't understand. He loves God. He just doesn't like church. Well, by the authority that is in the Bible, 
I would like to challenge you on that because God's son is Jesus, who is the head of the church. And so if he loves God and he doesn't like the church, then he doesn't love Jesus, which means he got issues. Listen, ladies, if he isn't committed to a church, check out his commitment in other areas of his life. He probably has some major commitment problems, and guess who else he's going to have a problem committing to? That's why for some of you, he wants to live with you, just not marry you. He's got commitment issues. And I know what you're thinking, but TJ, you, you don't, he loves me. Does he? Tell him you don't want to have sex for the next six months and see how committed he stays to you. He's got commitment problems. But TJ, you, you just don't get it. He's such a great guy. He just isn't very, he's not very emotional. I bet he's emotional when he's trying to get you naked. Ladies, be aware of the guy that you're always having to make excuses for. TJ, why are you so hard on guys? Why are you so tough on us? Because I think about it, the fact that if I had a daughter, what kind of guy would I want her to bring home to say, hey, I want to marry your daughter. I want to see a guy that has displayed commitment over and over and over again in his life. But what, what, I have rights. I have rights to be happy and be in love and have sex. Listen, you're going to stand before a holy God and talk about your rights? Listen, as Christ followers, we don't have rights. We have a responsibility to fall in love with God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. And the reason we do that is because when you stand before that person on your wedding day and you say, I do, I actually want your commitment to mean something. Man, I'm preaching good. <laughs> I'll slide myself, y'all, whatever. Single people, married people, I'll give you some homework here so you can see like Christ. Write this down. Read Philippians chapter 2, verses 1 through 11 all this week. I want you to ask yourselves two questions. First question is this. Show me where I'm falling short as a spouse. Single people, say it like this. Show me where I can improve. It's a good question to ask yourself. Second question. Married people, teach me to see my spouse through your eyes. Single people, teach me to see the opposite sex as my brother and sister in Christ. And what you'll begin to do is you'll begin to focus on them not as your servant, but on somebody you can serve. And you won't focus on your rights, but you'll start to focus on your responsibilities. And I guarantee if you do that in your relationship, you'll see some 
significant transformation in perspective this week. And so we need to walk with Christ. We need to see like Christ. And number three, we need to be like Christ. Verse three, it says, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. He says, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. He says, listen, do things with no strings attached. And part of the problem in a lot of our relationships is our relationships work like this. If you do this, then I'll do that. That isn't a relationship. That is a transaction. And the goal of our relationships isn't to have transactions. It's to have unconditional love, right? We want them to do things just because they love me, not because they can give me something. And so he says, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility consider others better than yourself. What is humility? It's, it's putting yourself in an inferior position so you can lift somebody else up. See, the problem is, is we're relying on our spouse to lift us up when that's not their job. That's God's job. And a lot of us, we go through our relationships, and, and, and myself included, man, this two weeks ago as I was preparing this message, I, I love how God just like punches me in the throat in my own life. I was driving down the road. I was so frustrated with Shayla. I know it's, it's hard to imagine. Like we have issues. We have problems. We're people. And I felt like Shayla wasn't doing some things in our relationship that she should be doing. And so, I don't know if you're like me, but I was having an imaginary conversation in my mind with Shayla that I was absolutely dominating her in. <laughs> Is there anybody else that does that? I was like, I like, I'll say something, she says something bad that I think she would say back, and then I'm like, I got to come back right now. I'm like, get that, take that. How do you feel now? Feel this low? Yeah, I'm gonna make you feel lower, yeah. I'm gonna win. And as I was in the middle of doing that, it's like the Spirit of God showed up in that moment. It's like, hey, TJ, what about your issue? I'm like, what issue? He's like, that one right there. I was like, that isn't an issue. And I started to realize that my problem with Shayla wasn't really a problem with Shayla at all. It was a problem with TJ. And I just start to humble myself and, and go, man, I've, I've been seeing this all wrong. And I've been treating her poorly because of a poor perspective. And I need to make this up and so I called up Melissa and I was like, can you babysit my kid? And I made a dinner date. And I went out and I just, I just served my wife that, that night. I did the thing that she loves the most. Spend my money. <laughs> you know what? Our relationship was completely different in that moment. Continues on. Consider others better than yourselves. Each of you should look not only to your own interests, but also to the interests of others. Think about that. If we look to the interests of our spouse rather than ourselves, 
there'd be a whole lot less cases in divorce court. Your attitude should be the same as that of Christ. So here's my question. Would anybody mistake you for Christ today? The way people see us like Christ is not by focusing on our rights, but focusing on our responsibilities. Because that's exactly what Jesus did 2,000 years ago. Jesus had the right to be worshiped. He had the right to be exalted. He had the right to be the man. He had all those rights, but he didn't come to earth demanding his rights. He came to earth as a baby to a poor family in a manger. I mean, think about it. He had the right to send us all to hell, but he didn't. Instead, he went to the cross. So that you and I, we could have life, and we could have it more abundantly. He didn't demand his rights. He lived out his responsibility by taking it all the way to the cross. And on the cross, what did he do? He, he, he got to the cross, and as he looked out, living out responsibility, what did he say? He said, Father, forgive them. And in that moment, he didn't tap out. He didn't give up. He said, it is It says, who being in the very nature of God, what is, who is God? God is love. Did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as man. He humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. He had the right to be worshipped, but the responsibility to reconcile us back with God. It says, therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. And my prayer is that you would remember that God's focus wasn't on his rights, but on his responsibility. And he recognized those responsibilities and he gave it all. See, we have a responsibility to walk with Christ and see like Christ and be like Christ. And what are all three of those words? All three of those words are action words. You wanna know why they're action words? Because love is an action. Love is a verb. Love is a choice. And so many of us think love is an emotion. And if Jesus were here and he, would, he was doing some marriage counseling with you and you came to him and said, oh, Jesus, we've lost that loving feeling. Oh, Jesus, we've lost that loving feeling. You know what Jesus would say? He said, you know what? You haven't lost that loving feeling. You've just stopped acting in loving ways. And so what you need to do is don't believe the feelings. What you need to do is start creating some motion. Motion always creates emotion. Start walking with me, 
seeing like me and being like me, and all of a sudden, love will start to pop back into your life. And for some of you, that's the step you need to take today. With every head bowed and every eye closed, maybe you're out there today, and maybe the emotion has been gone, but I'm so thankful that we serve a God that isn't about emotion, but is about action. And when we are so far away that we couldn't even fathom how we could reconcile or be restored back in a relationship, God bridged the gap. And maybe you're here today and you're far from God and you need God to bridge the gap. He did that through his son, Jesus Christ. Maybe you need to respond to that. Maybe for others of you, you're here today and there's a gap in your relationship. And maybe today what you need to do is you need to sacrifice your pride. You need to sacrifice your feelings and you need to humble yourself just like Jesus did. Instead of demanding rights, live out your responsibility. And learn to say maybe one of these two phrases that's very, very short maybe in combination I was wrong I am sorry and you want to see your marriage be transformed you start right there Jessica would you lead us in prayer